resident lighting specialist to our residential Welcome to Residential Tech Talks. I'm Jeremy Glowacki, Executive Editor of Residential Tech Today. In this episode, I'm joined by Robbie Cabral, Inventor, CEO, and founder of Los Angeles-based BenjiLock, a fingerprint-enabled padlock manufacturer that was introduced to the tech industry at CES 2017 and soon after made relatively famous on ABC's Shark Tank. Padlocks for gym lockers and bikes aren't typically the focus for residential tech, tech talks, but Mr. Cabral is expanding his focus into the smart home. So we'll discuss that development and more in today's episode. Hi, Robbie. Welcome to Residential Tech Talks. Hi, Jeremy. How are you? Uh, first and foremost, I hope that you and the whole team at Residential Tech today are doing well, and uh, it's an honor to be with you today. Thank you. Yeah, we're, we're hanging in there. It's, it's a challenge, but... Uh, it, with all things considered, I think uh, we're getting through it pretty well. Thanks for thanks for saying that, um, and it's good to see you too. Um, I've I've done a lot of viewing of your uh, your your career, your exciting uh, moments in your in your young career, and uh, it's it's cool to see you. I'm glad to see you're wearing the hat. I I have a hat that I uh, I brought oh, in go. just to to kind of look like the part because I love your style there. Um, I will take mine off because I can't quite ma match up to your. Uh, to your swag there. <laughs> but, you got it going on, especially now with the summertime. I mean, you can't beat yeah. it. It's pretty hot out there, especially here in, the, in LA. It's been lately in the 90s, so imagine. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, you know, um, your appearance on Shark Tank is kind of where I want to start, just because it's really where um, I think you got the most notoriety. Um, it was a pretty emotional um, episode. Um, the impact that you had on viewers and um, you, 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 if, you know, just to kind of give a little bit of background to lead into my first question, after your pitch, you were um, offered three opportunities, three different sharks um, stepped forward to want to work with you. And you chose to, to go forward with, with uh, Mr. Wonderful, Kevin O'Leary. And I think what resonated the most with a lot of people that saw that episode and know about your careers, um, kind of the story of your struggles leading up to the big idea for, for Benji Lock, um, that fingerprint enabled padlock. Um, not to dredge up the, the, the bad memories of, of the past or the challenges, but um, what were those circumstances that led up to your coming up with the, the invention for the padlock? No, not at all. I, th I think, you know, any, any time that you're creating something or, or inventing something or pursuing something that you want to do in life, uh, it's not going to be uh, positive always. You're gonna go through so many ups and downs, and believe it or not, that's why I relate a lot with with Benji Lock, especially with what's going on right now with the pandemic. Because as you see that, you know, this whole pandemic started and it came out of out of the blue. So a lot of people now are getting laid off, and you weren't really expecting that. And that's what happened with me in 2014. That you know, I pursued my opportunity to try to get a job to kind of support my family and all that. Lo and behold, I ended up getting a job and six months into it, you know, I was not really expecting it. I got laid off and it was in the worst time of the year because it was December. Um, and then during that hustle and bustle, my wife was pregnant. And then actually the same day that I got laid off, uh, my daughter, where she's going to be six now, she was born, uh, Livia. Wow. And, you know, as you know, that was kind of a, a turmoil. And at the end of the day, if you look at it, it's kind of like what's going on now that you get laid off. You don't know what's going to happen, but what can you do at least during that time frame that uh, you might be feeling depressed, you might be feeling, you know, a lot of anxiety, but what can you do to at least be proactive for yourself and for your family, even if you put a little bit of work into it every day. And that's basically what happened with Benji Lock. During that time frame, I decided to kind of be a little bit better for myself because I was going through a lot of depressed and eating a lot and, and getting myself kind of like overweight. Um, but then I decided to start going to my local gym. And one day I noticed someone left the key inside the locker and I saw the manager coming in to bolt cut it. And then they had to get a drill. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, you know, in this day and age, we have the iPhones. Now they open up with your fingerprint. I think it was an iPhone four or five. And I'm like, wow, how can you not have a lock that you can open with your fingerprint, but also with a key, just keep it simple, no app needed, no phone needed. And that's kind of where the idea started. 
Okay, great. That's that's a good little um, moment and time to kind of explain how you got to to the uh, the initial idea. I do want to know a little bit more about your background leading up to that even further, though. So you um, did you grow up in the Dominican Republic? Is that correct? Correct, correct. So I basically I was born and raised my whole life in uh, uh, Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic, which is the city. Uh, and then a lot of my family, they live in a small town called uh, San Pedro de Macorís, which is kind of known for the baseball town. Right. Like okay. Sosa, and I mean, you name it. Um, all of them kind of come from there. So I grew up in that environment. Um, and for some reason, you know, I was only raised by my mom, single parent. So I always had that um, always be humble, always be yourself, never like expect anything from anyone. And even if you give never expect anything back like I always was raised that way by my mom and I always remember growing up that I always saw her like working so hard every day just to make ends meet and try to at least put me into school and and even if she couldn't be during that time frame to pick me up and all that at least I knew that she was providing at least to keep me afloat and and I learned so much through, through during that time frame that um, you know, like you and myself and all of us, like we have that whole entrepreneur in all of us. And I felt like my mom really taught me that growing up. And I always been humble because of that. So basically my whole life, I was raised like that, went through school, did college back home. I was very into the whole artistic side, side of things. So before I actually came to America, I was in a band for like 10 years. So that was like my thing to kind of let my emotions out and all that. I was into the whole uh, alternative rock, punk rock scene. And, okay. and I just know I just love the whole artistic side of uh, creating lyrics and writing and making music. And that's how I ended up uh, after finishing college going to America because I wanted to pursue the whole music okay. uh, background. But that actually didn't pan out. So it's interesting how life kind of puts you in different uh, ways, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so you, uh, you, you ended up, did you go straight to Los Angeles from, from Santo Domingo um, to pursue music or were you elsewhere in the country before that? Uh, well, I used to, in the summer times, I used to go uh, to New York to visit my cousins um, and I have family there. So I always thought that, you know, maybe my path will be going to New York, mm -hmm. uh, maybe going to Boston, you know, kind of like in that East Coast uh, area, Florida, because then you're more near back home or near your family. Um, but for some reason, you know, it was interesting. I never even pictured California, never even heard about California. I remember like Baywatch and TV back home <laughs> and, and things of that nature, but I never really pictured it until uh, an opportunity came by to sign up in a, in a school here to kind of learn about the music business and mm. things of that nature. And I said, you know, why not give it a try? So I basically back home, I sold like my car. I, I pretty much left everything home because uh, even to try to get a visa, it was tough, like to actually get a, a visa to actually come and study, which, you know, I'm kind of feeling a little bit bad right now with a lot of the international students, what they're going through right now, because I remember that trying to get that international visa to actually go study and, and it's tough. So I did that, came in. And during that time frame, I brought the band as well. We tried to make it happen, but things didn't pan out. Everybody said, you know what? We're going back home. We're going here. We're going there. And I decided myself to kind of, you know, I'm going to figure this thing out. Okay. And I decided to stay and, and continue that journey. Okay. And then your, your job that you, you eventually ended up in, that temporary job, that, that was unrelated to music. Um, but then as you get into this, um, this idea, kind of getting yourself out of the the doldrums of being unemployed and raising a family and everything. Um, is this your first inventive idea for a product? Did you ever go beyond your creativity and music and do other work like this? Or was this just sort of like the spark that came along and it was a way to kind of get yourself a job almost? Well, it's interesting because uh, I remember um, the music thing didn't pan out. So then I basically started doing every other job to make ends meet, you know, working in restaurants, dishwasher, uh, catering, um, valet. I mean, you name it, try to get some income in and, and figuring things out at the time. Um, so I guess because I studied back home, uh, the whole arts, like advertisement, uh, creative, 
Uh, I wanted to be creative on that time. So I ended up uh, creating a retailer at the time. It was like an online retailer mm. in the era of the Groupon. It was actually, because I'm seeing your figures out the back, I'm a big um, uh, collector of uh, action figures and things of that nature. So I've always been like a toy uh, fanatic. I just love how they, you know, uh, create and, and sculpture these figures and all that. So I decided to uh, create a website called figureoftheday.com at the time. And it actually, uh, you know, started doing pretty well. Every day I was launching a new action figure and, and that whole niche was really into it. And it was exciting for me. Um, but that only ended up lasting a year or so. Um, because again, you know, you have family, you have kids, um, work is a turmoil, you know, you're getting a lot of sales, but then at the end of the year, you're not breaking even and what's going on. And, and at that time, you know, uh, lesson learned, not every business that you do actually works. So then you have to kind of learn from those lessons and then take it to the next one. So that was one of my first, uh, entrepreneurial things that I did here in America beyond back home trying to sell comic books and things of that nature. But, um, but then after that, you know, I, I landed a, a consumer electronic job for a headphone company years mm. back and I lasted there a year or so, but it was just too far out from my house. So okay. then from there, that's when my wife said, you know, you should get a job more near home. And long story short, I ended up in that uh, real estate company that that was the one that kind of laid me off. But sometimes life puts you in things that you just don't even expect. So it wasn't even in my path, in my world to think about creating a lock. It wasn't even in my head at all, which is very interesting. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I'm always uh, impressed when someone has an idea that they actually follow through with and, and the timing works out so that you can kind of um, get it to market. Even um, people all, often will say, I had that idea, that other guy, you know, did it before I did, or I just didn't get around to it. And it's like, yeah, that's a, that's a good story, but I don't know how realistic it was that you, you had that idea first, but this was an idea that it's interesting picking back to what you were saying right now, because even when I unveiled the, the prototype, the first time at CES, I remember a lot of people came to the booth and said, wow, this is a great idea. You know, I had that idea years ago and, <laughs> and you know, wow, you know, how, how, and I, and, and at the end of the day, I told him, you know, it's the same as all of us. We all have ideas. And, but the thing is that what I've learned is that a lot of people don't actually execute them. Very, and yeah. probably like 99% of people have a lot of ideas. Oh, I had that idea, you know, but you don't just write it down and leave it like that. You kind of have to execute. And there's like a whole plan that you have to, you know, a lot of ups and downs and that you have to go through and emotional distress because you're dealing with family too and all that. And how can you, you know, leverage all that and keep it positive and hopefully see a light at the end of the tunnel, you know? Well, yeah, I, I really wanted to dive into some of those early days because I don't think a lot of us really know how do you take that idea that's on paper and then execute it. And you did a lot of the, the legwork early on that I think got you the, the notice on Shark Tank because you had, um, you know, filed some of the pay, paperwork for, um, you know, um, patents and that sort of thing. So take me through what was the, um, the first stage after the idea came to you for this. Where do you go next for the product? Well, I remember uh, getting out of the gym and I was excited. You know, I came back home and I started writing all these uh, designs of how I kind of figure myself that the log will look and feel and, and what would it had and, and since at the time I had experience with headphones, I kind of knew, okay, you know, it's an electronic product. So you probably have to have a battery. Uh, I still wanted to have a key, but I don't want to connect it because I don't have a lot of income to probably build a product with a lot of stuff in it. And I felt like if you complicated it too much, then it was just going to be too difficult for the user to understand it. So that was my first thing. But then beyond that, I actually did my research and, and went to my local stores and I couldn't find a product like that. So like I went to the Targets and the Best Buys and all of that and I couldn't see it. So that was one, you know, blink. But then after I did a, more research, thank, thanks a lot for the world of the internet, um, I noticed that everyone that decides to bring an idea to market um, you have to do your research in the legal way because if somebody already like the bigger companies may have the technology in it or the patents or the intellectual property, 
then it doesn't even matter if you build a prototype and you waste all your money and income because somebody already has it. But what I did was that in the same time frame that I started looking for someone to help me build the patents and the intellectual property on it, um, I also started knocking on a lot of doors to try to find a product developer because okay. I'm not a product developer. I mean, I have the idea, I have the vision, I have the, the designs, but I don't know how to build it. So you, it's kind of like, uh, it goes back to, again, to the band, because at the time in my band, I was like the lead singer, but I knew that I didn't know how to play bass, didn't know how to play piano, didn't know how to play drums, know a little bit of guitar, but I kind of have to assemble a band to make a song. So it was kind of the same way I, I took that approach with Benji. Like I said, okay, I need someone to help me on the legal route. I need someone to help me out on the product developer. And I need someone to help me with my ideas to kind of create a branding uh, around the product because I felt that uh, you could have your legals, you could have your prototype, but if you don't have a really a name or something that actually resonates with a regular consumer, then you don't have nothing. And then also while building all that, then you also have to kind of, uh, which is interesting. I did that around my area. I probably interviewed more than 900 people with wow. my phone. I remember I had a, a really early prototype and I went basically on people walking out and say, Hey, what do you think of this idea? You know, would you purchase something like this and how much would you pay for it? And what do you like? What you don't like? So I actually did my own market research, market <laughs> research focus group on this product while doing all of that. And that was like a three year period Okay. Uh, before actually stepping into the CES and then stepping into the whole shark tank and kind of like where it's at today. So it took like a three year process of idea but to, at least a, a prototype. But you found, um, did you find advisors or did you pay people? Um, you know, was it free advice that you're getting from people that you kind of networked with or were you actually hiring, you know, like a lawyer to help you with the patent, you know, application and product development people that really understood the manufacturing process? Like what, what were those relationships like in those early days? Oh, those were tough because I was unemployed. I only had a, a self uh, money coming in from unemployment for a little bit. And then beyond that, um, I had a little bit of savings, but then all of that ran out. So I basically had all my credit cards through the roof um, because no one works for free. You just can't, you know, it's very difficult to find someone to help you, especially in that space for free. So basically I had to knock on a lot of product development companies and a lot of them say, you know, we would love to do it, but that's a crazy idea or we would love to do it, but that's going to take you a lot of money. Uh, you know, I won't do it. So finally one at least, uh, ended up going for it. It was, you know, it was expensive. It took me a lot of money and a lot of credit card, but at least they helped me build a prototype. Okay. Uh, and while doing that, um, because I didn't have a lot of money for the legal way, I actually uh, ended up going through the whole LegalSoon route, you know, LegalSoon.com, and you try to find someone to help you. And, and thanks to that platform, actually, I was able to find a local uh, patent attorney that actually uh, saw my application and said, you know, this is interesting. It kind of goes back again to what you were saying earlier that things have to kind of fall at the same time, right place, right time, right moment. Because I remember that uh, Alexis is his name. He kept saying, you know, Robbie, it's interesting. When I go back, I remember seeing your application. And for some reason, I, I saw your name. It said Roberto Cabral. And he goes like, I'm from Mexico and I normally never see like a Latino trying to get a patent. Hmm. Like he always never sees that. And he said, you know, maybe I'll put a little bit more effort into this kid's patent because I just never see like a Latino come to my office and do an application. So that's another thing that it, it, it kind of goes back. It was the same at the right time, right moment, uh, you know, unveiling that prototype at CES, it was actually the right moment, the right time. I didn't even have that much money to put a booth at CES. And it was just struggling to try to make it happen. And, and, and one way I have my family fighting to me, you know, like, hey, you don't have a job. What's going to happen? This prototype, you're, you know, what's going to happen with you? You're in debt and you're about to lose your whole family. And I kept saying, you know what? Let's take a deep breath. 
I think there's something here. We just have to keep it pushing. And yeah, that, that was well, I want to keep uh, on that track and talk about your appearance at CES because that seemed to be a turning point. But before we do that, I want to take a break from our conversation with Robbie Cabral and get a word from our sponsor. Thanks for listening to Residential Tech Talks. Today's episode is brought to you by Sony. Sony's OLED TVs and Master Series meet the strict criteria of the top engineers and makes beautiful images a reality. Their 4K HDR TVs pair the brilliance of 4K with the brightness, color, and detail of high dynamic range. See how every scene comes to life with extraordinary realism. Discover a new level of immersive cinematic audio at home with Dolby Atmos and acoustic surface audio you'll enjoy three-dimensional surround sound that takes your breath away. See everything new from the world of Sony USA, including electronics, the new PlayStation 5, movies, music, and TV shows. Visit www.sony.com to learn more. Welcome back. This is Residential Tech Today. I'm executive editor, Jeremy Glowacki, and I'm talking with Robbie Cabral, inventor, CEO, and founder of Los Angeles-based Benji Lock. Robbie, um, we were just talking about how you're leveraged pretty bad <laughs> and we're getting uh, a lot of pressure from your family because you had uh, a lot of credit card debt trying to get your product um, developed. And CES was, was the, I guess, the next step for you. So you got a chance to go to um, Eureka Park, uh, which is a portion of CES. I believe it's really created for that early invention sort of stage, the um, products that don't maybe have manufacturing fully yet. Um, it may be a little bit more affordable. I'm sure it was still expensive for you just getting to, to Las Vegas and um, spending the time there. But can you, recall what that stage was like for you and your development? Oh, that, that, that was probably like the biggest thing I did because uh, I remember that when I had the prototype ready or while, or while working on it, it was, I remember summer of 2016, I started researching and say, okay, what's the best way for me to showcase this product to the world, at least this prototype and this idea. And for some reason, CES came up and I noticed that like all the big companies from like Samsung to Volvo to Sony, I mean, you name it, everything tech, everything electronic was there. So I said to myself, that has to be the spot. But then I started seeing the pricing and all that. And I'm like, oh, no, this is not going to work out. This is too much. But thank God they had uh, the area called Eureka Park, which is like the startup uh, ecosystem. And at least you get yourself a small little 10 by 10 booth. It's not as expensive as the bigger ones, but at least you get a chance to be yourself, showcase your product. And basically, I remember renting a minivan from LA, putting all my stuff in it. And we basically went, a couple of my friends' family, we went to uh, Vegas, drove by, rented one room. We all stayed in one room. <laughs> and basically every day at 6 a.m., we went in, set up the booth, and did the best we could to showcase the innovation. And I felt like uh, to everyone that is listening right now that is, you know, thinking about building a product or building an idea, you have to learn how to just let it go. Don't be afraid of, of trying to, you know, this is my baby and no one's going to touch it. Or no, 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 you have to let it go. And because I remember at that show, I said to myself, there's no point for us to be paying all this money here and just being standing up and doing nothing. You have to let it go, showcase it, see what people think, people react to it. And believe me, a lot of people said, oh, this is crazy idea, this is stupid, you know, who invented that? But then another big percentage, like Ace Hardware to this day, were one of the first retailers, they came in and said, wow, we want this product, we like this product, how can we get it? And that's when I was like, okay, there's something here. Okay. And then a lot of people were walking and saying, hey, that looks like a really cool Shark Tank product. But I personally never even seen the show, never even heard of it. Um, but they had a casting call in the same venue, very near. And they said, you should go and try the casting call. And I said, you know, I'll try it. I don't have nothing to lose. Got a wristband, did my whole line, did the pitch for like two minutes and came back, forgot about it. <laughs> uh, but then two months after the show, I got an email and they said, hey, we're interested. Can you... Uh, send us this, send us that. And that's kind of how that journey started. 
So then do you have an audition process for Shark Tank after that? How does it work from there? Yeah, that was interesting. Uh, basically, you don't hear from them. And then all of a sudden I got an email saying that, uh, hey, we met you at CES. We like your interview and all that. And now you have to send us a personal video of yourself with your prototype. Mm -hmm. And then maybe another video of how will you present your product to the sharks. And then a lot of paperwork that you have mm -hmm. to read. And so that process took a couple months. But I've always been a believer that you know, always keep your options open. It's kind of like when, when you're looking for a job that you can't just land all your eggs in one basket. So I said to myself, okay, never seen the show. I've heard that it looks like it's interesting, could be a great opportunity, but I don't want to just focus on that because I just came from a trade show, but I'm coming back home to three kids. My wife is going back to work. I have to, again, do the whole Mr. Mom at home, you know, dishes, everything. I mean, you name it, but also work on this prototype build all those connections that that you know i made at the show like ace hardware and and all these retailers and how you keep them involved because you still don't have uh, a partner you still don't have a manufacturer you still don't have an investment it's all you so i said to myself okay i gotta keep myself busy maintain all these relationships still keep going with the the shark tank opportunity and see kind of how all that evolves um, and then thank God they ended up telling me, Hey, we have an opportunity for you to come and step on the show certain date. You don't know who you're going to pitch, but this is, this is it. Are you in? And I said, you know, I don't have nothing to lose right now. I was in that moment that I'm already in debt. I have all this stuff going on. I have an innovation award from CES. Everybody loved the product. I have a prototype that works, doesn't work. I have companies in the field interested in, in the whole licensing uh, opportunity, but I, I was in that time, I was kind of like, you know, I'm an entrepreneur and I'm going to build this and I'm going to do it myself. But then you also have to learn that you have to be open-minded and learn how to do partnerships. And when the Shark Tank opportunity came by, I said, I don't have nothing to lose. Let's just do it. And it's local. It's in Los Angeles. Is that where they're taping it? So I actually got lucky because at the time I thought it was in New York, but it was in the Culver City area. So it was basically an hour away for me to drive in and they do it in the whole Sony lot studio. That's, that's very convenient for you from a cost standpoint then for sure. Can you take a, um, you know, just to explain to me what it's like to be on a, on a TV show. Uh, is it all done in one take? Like it appears on TV and all that nerve, that nervousness that you must feel as you're going through it? Oh, I will say like, there's a lot of anxiety because you're, you have anxiety at home and with your family because you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know who you're going to pitch with. And then at the time you have to, I remember meeting in a hotel with all the Shark Tank contestants that actually are coming from all over the States. And every day there's just a bunch of us meeting at this hotel and hopeful that you're going to get in that day of filming because they do a couple of weeks of filming and you know 10 to 15 hours a day and you're one of those time frames wow. and some pitches could be like 10 minutes some pitches could be two three hours mine was actually i remember it was like around 45 minutes and i think on tv you only get to see like 15 minutes so that's an experience that you just you, you don't forget but you don't really know what's going on so you really go into it and there's a lot of anxiety because when they open those doors, you actually don't know who you're going to pitch. You don't know, you know, what's going to happen, you know, what they think of you. Do they know about you? And it's interesting because once you step in, they, they don't start recording, but you see all the sharks are looking at you and they're all looking at their phone, trying to Google your brand name, trying to Google and see who, who what is this, you know, because they don't know. They, 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 that's what, that's the intensity of it. That they don't know, you don't know. And it's all like life. Okay. So. That's amazing. All right. That, that, that really helps me to understand how that, how that whole, you know, the naturalness of that show. Um, and so, so you're, you walk in there, you see them Googling and you're, um, you're, you, you've probably gone over this in your head. Have you practiced your, your pitch at, at home and that sort of thing? How, how's that pro process work for you? Well, that, that process is interesting because you're practicing at home. Um, and then when you go to the set, 
uh, each contestant has like a little space that they can practice their, you know, their pitch and with their product and all that. But then before you actually step in, the producers tell you, okay, you're ready. And I say, you know, you're, I'm ready. And then they tell you, you know, don't worry about the pitch now, just be yourself, you know? And then it's kind of like, oh boy, <laughs> so you have this pitch in your head and you know, what are you going to do? But at the end of the day, I always felt that because I didn't saw the show. Like I wasn't really a fanatic of oh, watching yeah. the show every day. I felt like I was just going to be myself. And okay. that ended up helping me out a lot because I think the experience of being at CES, dealing with a lot of retailers, going through that whole three-year experience of, you know, emotional distress at home, but also building a prototype, uh, building your patents and all that. I knew that even though I didn't have any sales, there was a potential of retailers interested and you had everything in place to go and defend yourself on Shark Tank. And and you hear, uh, you you read the quotes from the the sharks and a lot of them said this was the most unexpected. And uh, and some of us who you chose is your shark, but others... It sounded like just your story in itself. And do you think it was because you really didn't have a product yet? It was a prototype. And a lot of the shark, uh, a lot of the contestants that come in and have just needed more financing. They've already got a product. It's already got a partnership somewhere. Yours was really in the early stages, right? Is that, do you think that was what was different about your situation? I think so. That was one. And another one was that, um, and I know this because after the show, uh, some of the sharks asked me, like, you know, do you even watch the show? And I'm like, <laughs> not really. Yeah. And they were like, you know, it's interesting because everybody that steps into the show, they already know the questions. They already know the answers. They already know what they're going to ask us. And you were just like natural. Like it just we were like thinking, OK, where is this kid going now? <laughs> and that's where it was. I think that really helped me out a lot because since I never even seen the show, like I went in and, and I was just myself. Yeah. And a lot of people told me that, you know, the, the guy in the middle, Mr. Wonderful, he's going to annihilate you mm. and you go into that show with, with, you know, sales and all that. And in reality, I didn't really need it. I feel like I just needed a partner to help me navigate where I was right now at the moment. And I think that's why I ended up going with Kevin because he was very like straightforward. He was the first one that when I stepped in, he wasn't on the phone. He was literally like looking at you sharp. And I'm like, oh boy, <laughs> not looking, you know, not looking, uh, uh, you know, that it's going to be fun. This is going to be a, a hot battle. But at the end of the day, I really went with him because he was very straightforward, straight shooter. And he, he said to myself that, you know, have you ever thought of licensing? And I said, you know, I thought of it, but, you know, I hear the stories that if you license, then your brand name goes away and it's basically someone else's property. And and I really thought that I had something special with Benji Lock because everyone at the show came and said, hey, that looks like it could be like the Nets maybe Fitbit of padlocks or. And I always thought, too, that there was going to be an extension of Benji Lock beyond the padlock that you could go different ways, because I felt like the technology of fingerprint and key that could leverage into even the home. And even at the show, uh, Kevin asked me, can we put this technology in the door? Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah, that's going to be something that I would like to do in the future, but I'm still in the padlock phase. Right. And he knew already ahead of me what I, what like my head was thinking and my mind was thinking. And I felt like, okay, this guy understands me. This is the guy we, we need to partner up. So, so Kevin takes you through that, that after you, uh, after the show, you start working with him. And, um, I think a lot of us don't know what, you know, I don't watch the show passionately. I I've watched it enough. I, it typically is one of those vacation shows when we're on a hotel room and it's one of those things we turn on, the kids can all watch it and we, we find it interesting. And so I know a little bit more about those personalities than maybe you did when you went on that show, but I, I have no idea what happens afterwards. Um, you start working with him as a as an advisor then in terms of licensing arrangements well basically after that then uh, you know each investor has their own team so you have to meet with their team and make sure that everything that happened at the show it's kind of what's the reality because a lot of contestants they go to the show and when they do their due diligence it's not really what they said it's not really what they offer so you have to make sure that, you know, it's a win-win for everyone. So we did both of our due, due diligence and all that and, and all worked out. Uh, and then when we partner up, it's basically kind of like a marriage. And I think in, in, in that way, uh, he knew that I was kind of like a one-man army. 
and I needed also mentorship beyond just the investment because for me the money wasn't really the important thing it was more like okay now that I have a partner how can we get this product what I've done so far how can we get that to that next level and the beauty was that he already had in his head okay we need to find the right manufacturing partner to uh, bring this product to life and that's where uh, he uh, presented me the first time with Mr. Kim Kelly, the CEO of Hampton Products at that CNBC interview because I wasn't really unexpecting it. But he figured out a way how to put those things together and then make it happen. Okay, so that CNBC interview, which I've watched, that was the first time you knew about this arrangement. I, I thought that you'd already had that relationship. And then he just presented you with a kind of a, you know, a check with some good faith money that we we're going to you know, make this thing happen. So you, you didn't know that was who you're going to be working with when you went on that show. Oh, no, I didn't know because I, I had uh, a brief relationship with uh, Hampton Products during that whole CES phase, but you only deal with like local management, you know, kind of figuring out your idea and product. And, and in that case, you're kind of protective too, because as inventors, you have to figure out, okay, is this manufacturer or company looking for the best for me? Mm -hmm. and, them, you know, so you have to figure out if it's the right fit or not. So we were touching base here and there, but nothing really was happening. Uh, so I, you know, like I said, I always keep my options open and I always got to keep myself pushing for the next thing. And I think having that relationship with Kevin really helped uh, that relationship that I built lightly with Hampton kind of take it to that next level. So that was the first time that I actually met the CEO. And, and from there, it was like, you know, they said, we're building this Benji lock, we're making it happen. And, and I was like, wow, this is a dream come true. Okay, that's that makes sense then why why you got emotional again, because that really clicked it into gear then. Um, and then you're, you're, um, you're handing off part of it in terms of it just being branded Benji lock by Hampton products, right? So, or by Hampton. So it's just, they get a little na name recognition on the product, but you still get to keep your product name that you created. And um, what is your day-to-day -day then when, once you start working with, with a partner like Hampton? Yeah, no, I, that, that was my main thing because I felt that, you know, big companies, they, a lot of the times they take technology from little companies and basically just add it to the roster. Right. And at the time, I remember they were, you know, you have two big padlocks companies in America. And one of them is Brinks and they handle all the Brinks line. So I felt that, you know, that's great with Brinks, you know, but I'm Benji lock and I just don't want to change that because I felt like uh, from my kids to, to, I mean, you name it, they all like the name, they all like the style. And I felt like there was something here that I just didn't want it to change. I wanted to disrupt what was really going on at the moment. And when they said, we're going to build it Benji lock by Hampton, that's when I knew, okay, this is going to be great, great relationship. And our day-to-day -day lives is basically, you know, people that maybe might be thinking about inventing or licensing, you can't really go sit down outside and just relax and say, well, let me just sit down here and now let's just wait. Because if you're really not hands-on with your product, you know, corporations, they have thousands of SKUs. So like in my case, I'm just one of the thousands of SKUs. So in my case, I need to keep myself really hands-on from the branding aspect to to the design of the product to product development the good thing is that now i don't really have to pay for that now you have a manufacturing company that is building all that for you so i just work with their teams with mr kim with kevin and that's the good thing about kevin that kevin has been very hands-on because he really likes the product and the story so like even now through this whole pandemic we do zoom calls every week and to see what, how the product is doing and what can we do to improve it. And, you know, so it's been a, a really good, I have to say that I've been blessed to have a really good relationship, really good partnership. So then you, um, this is getting really in the weeds with it, but you're, you're getting um, paid from sales then or salary from Hampton or where, where does your, your personal income uh, come from then once you make that licensing deal? So basically, when you license uh, your technology, in my case, uh, we, I, we make sure, you know, my consultants and, and my team on, on, on my end, we make sure that regardless that the corporation that is going to do business with you, whether it was Hampton or whoever it was, you got to make sure that there's a, a 
at least uh, income coming in every year, regardless they sell or not. Because then that way, at least from my perspective, which is basically Benji Lock LLC, I still work from home, but I need at least an income to to keep the company afloat with, you know, the legals, the patents, the marketing, the, you know, my own personal self. So um, that was one thing that I needed to make sure that that we had something coming in every year, regardless you sell or not, because, you know, it's kind of like the music industry that sometimes artists, they sign two, three year record labels. And at the end of the day, only one CD comes out and then the other two, they kind of bank it in. Right. So you have to make sure that you have to put their sales team on perspective that, you know what, if you don't sell, that's your problem. <laughs> I need to have money coming in every year because I already gave you my technology. So that's why for me, it's always been that I need to be very hands-on with it because if I'm not, then I feel like my vision could get lost. Right. And I, I want to keep that going, especially now. So I, I, at the end of the day, I have to say that it's been a great partnerships. Partnerships are not bad, especially when you're startups, because I know startups, we want to kind of, you know, it's us and the world. Yeah. But in reality, if you find your right partners and you work together, it, it will work out. Right. And now um, you've got retail partnerships through, through Hampton then um, at several outlets. So where, where are the products available currently? Well, currently it's interesting. The first retailer that was really excited about that technology was Ace Hardware. Right. And what I had no idea, and that's how, you know, everything kind of fell at the same time, same place is that actually Hampton products builds all the Ace Hardware uh, padlocks. So if you go to an Ace Hardware store, the Ace branded locks is made by Hampton. So Ace Hardware already being interested in Benji lock, that really helped develop that Hampton relationship because it was like, wow, okay, we're interested. They're one of our biggest retail partners. They're interested. So then let's launch the Benji lock first with Ace. And that's how uh, the Ace relationship and Benji lock all started. So basically Ace Hardware was the first retailer and still is that has a, uh, both locks in the planogram, which is very exciting because uh, they never had a fingerprint lock in the planogram. So this was like something that it's been uh, fun, exciting, but it's also kind of disrupting a trend that it, you've never seen. You know, it's always mm -hmm. combination, but now you have Benji lock. So I'm very proud of that relationship because again, it all started at CES years ago. And then you see the evolution of the Shark Tank, the Hampton uh, relationship with Kevin and then those retailers that you met at the time, now is that you're seeing those retailers come into life. So Walmart, uh, Home Depot, Lowe's, um, and then also, you know, really cool, trendy stores like Urban Outfitters and, um, I mean, you name it, uh, Touch of Modern, QVC. Uh, like it's taking its own lifestyle uh, approach, but also I need to make sure that it's security because th th that's the beauty of it, that, Hampton builds security products. So, you know, that Benji lock is a, you know, it's a secure lock. It's not, you know, it's not really, it, it's, it's, it's a steady solid product and you'll be getting a couple your way uh, <laughs> you should be in there this week. So you'll, you'll see it. It's a very sturdy, you know, product, but it's a company that they know that they were going to amplify the portfolio of products. And that's what we're doing today. So that's really exciting. So now really turning our attention to the next stage, uh, as much as you, you want this product to just be super successful and continue to grow um, and, and awareness and popularity and everything, uh, you you'd always had a plan for more than just the padlock. Um, what, where are you uh, at the development stage of going into the smart home and doing a, a, a fingerprint um, enabled door lock? No, that, that's the cool thing. Uh, we basically went from the regular padlock to a TSA padlock right. uh, for travel goers. Um, and then this year, actually, at CES, which was literally our last trade show, um, we unveiled the bike lock and also then a whole line of uh, smart door lock, uh, which basically won the CES 2020 uh, award as well. So it's basically a door lock that you can open with your fingerprint, also with a traditional key and also with a pin pad. But it's non-connected. There's no app, no phone. It's still the same Benji lock technology as the padlocks because I felt like um, I want to keep it that way because even now I have one uh, of the prototypes installed in my door and I get out of the minivan, the mothership, I call it. <laughs> my kids already, they are already out and about 
and they're already in because with the touch of their fingerprint, they're already boom in. And I'm like, wow, that was cool. <laughs> Only their fingerprint on it. That was yeah. it. And we also have another uh, uh, door lock coming in at the end of the year. Hopefully, I don't know if it might be maybe early this year, um, that it will be connected. So it will be through an app uh, under the Hampton umbrella that you can, can you know, manage your Benji lock and all that. But, but my priority at, at, as well was to be non-connected first because that's how the Benji lock is, is non-connected. But how everything is evolving, we're definitely going to have to be in that connected world too. Okay. So um, to clarify, you can put multiple uh, fingerprint recordings in the lock so that other family members can use it. That's what you're saying there. Correct. Correct. And I think, let me see if I have a, we may have here, um, show you here a bit of a prototype, but the final one should be coming this week. Basically, here you go. So it's basically the door lock. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you have your fingerprint, you have your pin pad, but then you also have a traditional key. Nice. So okay. it's, uh, it, that's the beauty of it. And it's not connected. So it's the same technology as the, as the lock but for your home. Right. That's, that's what's really exciting. That now you're able to see that that same technology, they're building it for the home. Uh, we also have a really cool drawer lock that I don't have a, a sample here with me yet, but um, that is fingerprint and key. So they're really expanding um, the technology. And again, it's kind of like the beauty of having a partnership because if, if you're trying to do this on your own, then that requires a lot of investment and a lot of risk. And I admire companies like Hampton. I admire people like Kevin because they're actually taking a risk. Just like I did and took a risk years ago on building this prototype, they're taking a risk on building your product, setting up manufacturing, especially with all this situation going on. Yeah. The pandemic and retail sales going down because of the footwork and also dealing with the whole tariff situation. Because that's another thing that companies are losing millions every, every month and people don't understand that. So that's something that I don't personally have to deal with, but at the end of the day, because my products are being built in that platform, it is something that I'm going to have to deal with sooner or later. I was going to ask you about the impact of COVID-19 and the pandemic, um, all the shutdowns and everything. Obviously retail uh, was, was affected. I think home improvement is definitely one of those areas that's, that, that sort of picked up steam because people were at home trying to do things for their house. But a lot of people are, are you know, limited income right now because they're maybe uh, not working full time or out of a job. So are you mostly seeing it in terms of sales numbers affected right now? And obviously your ability to connect personally with partners, you have to do everything via Zoom, I'm assuming. Mm -hmm. No, lately it's been everything kind of virtual, Zoom like everyone else. Um, even companies like Hampton, they're all working remotely. Uh, it's only basically the shipping department that is available right now. Um, so everything has kind of turned out in more of an online retail world. Mm. So like even all the retail partners that we have, um, sadly, a lot of relationships kind of fell off because after CES, everything was great. And then the pandemic hit. So everybody, you know, kind of step out a little bit. But the cool thing about it is that, you know, having Kevin as a partner, really helped out because his relationship with QVC that really helped out a lot to bring the locks into the whole QVC TV platform. So during this time frame, actually we've done very well because we've been using the TV platform um, with partners like QVC. So the locks have been doing great, even though people are not going to the gym because of maybe their clothes or, you know, lockers, even though people are not traveling uh, because of, the pandemic, but we're still seeing a really good amount of sales going that route. And I think that the beauty of this is kind of trying to pivoting in, in different ways that you're, we're not thinking of selling for now, at least to keep your brand alive. But then on another route, I think, you know, it's a good way, at least personally for me to keep creating, keep innovating, keep making new ideas, keep connecting um, more uh, on a, personal level with customers too. Like I've been emailing a lot of people now and messaging and people kind of like, Oh, like, Oh, wow, actually Robbie messaged me or Robbie emailed me. And I'm like, yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm at reach and I'm more about just keeping it positive because we're all going through the same thing right now. There's a lot of anxiety at home and all that. But uh, I think if we put that little burst of inspiration and positivity, uh, things will happen in a good way.
Well, and, and I read your statement on uh, social media that's posted on your website as well about how you went through a tough time. And we started our conversation talking about that and how, you know, being unemployed, you can find a way to, you know, kind of turn your life around um, if when you're inspired. And can you, um, can you remember what that, a little bit about that message and relate that here so those who are listening or watching can kind of feel that positivity that you presented oh yeah no my, because th that's my message that you know when when i got laid off from work it was unexpected and when you get a lot of laid off of work people don't know that what's going on in your life around and at the time my, my wife was pregnant you know i was literally my, my wife just gave birth to our, our a younger child and it's kind of like what's going on with the pandemic that things hit it was just out of the blue and you start seeing all these layoffs coming in and and when people think that they have their job secure and and we're rolling and we're good all of a sudden someone on the top says you're out because i have to protect myself and then all of a sudden you're like whoa what am i gonna do now so i know it's gonna be tough but i think the people that are going through that right now my message is kind of like you know take a deep breath go for a little walk if you can let that anxiety out. And if you feel it one day, just start putting those ideas together, whether you, you know, whether you want to write a book or whether you want to catch up on a show that you maybe never wanted to see or, or build something out of nothing, something that you always wanted to create, just put a little bit of effort every day. And I'm telling you that little bit just goes a long way. And that's kind of what I did with Benji Lock too. So um, just have to have patience. Thank you. I, I, I really appreciate your time, Robbie Cabral. Thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing your story with us today. I wish you continued success with Benji Lock. And I hope that, uh, um, you know, you, you uh, the smart home product goes really well. I look forward to keeping our audience informed about the new developments uh, with that product. And um, thanks for your time today. No, likewise, likewise. I, I'm always an honor. It's a pleasure. And I hope all of you guys stay safe and healthy and uh, just uh, keep innovating, keep pushing. Well, also, thanks to everybody for joining us. And be sure to comment, share, or subscribe to the podcast. And you can check out all the latest residential tech news at restechtoday.com. Until next time, please stay safe, stay inspired, and let us know if you have a great story to share. Residential lighting specialist to our residential tech. Smart device, home or smart house.